0: Well, good afternoon everyone. I hope you had a Merry Christmas. How many of you kids had a Merry Christmas? Raise your hand. Oh yeah. Yeah, I see some big kids did as well. That's cool. It's great to be together as family. Great to enjoy and share gifts with each other. Uh, I, I know at Christmas time sometimes there's some sadness mixed in with the joy and And that's okay. Um, The Lord will be with you. The Lord will comfort you. The Lord will keep you. Uh, But may the Lord do that even now. Let's let's pray. Father, would you please be with us in these next few minutes? Teach us, O Lord, truth that we all need to hear, no matter how old or young we are. In Jesus' name, amen. I want to talk to you this evening about something that is very important to make sure that all of us, including you children, understand some very important things about what it means to truly love Jesus. We have given you some handouts this evening, kids, so you may want to follow along with those and fill in some of the blanks as we we think about what does it mean to, to love Jesus. True faith in Jesus is about something more than going to church. True faith in Jesus is about something more than having a little religion in your life or morality in your life. True religion, true faith is about something more than just having Jesus kind of fill in the holes and the gaps in our life. In the Bible, there are a number of words, of terms that are used to describe what it means to be a follower of Christ, what it means to be a Christian. We heard earlier about the question, who am I? And the Bible uses a number of terms to to help us find our identity, Who who we are. and uh, We're just going to throw some of these up on uh, on the projection here. The first one is the word Christian. That's that's found in the Bible. It's only found three times, by the way, so it can't be that important in God's mind. It's not the priority term to describe who we are. And in fact, back in the New Testament, it was actually kind of a sarcastic term. It was something like being called a fundamentalist today. You were called a Christian that you were looked down on. This was a, a mean phrase that people used. And there was another term. The term believer or believers. It's a term that appeared 14 times in the New Testament. 14 times Christians, those who followed Jesus, were called believers. It focused on what was in their hearts in responding to Jesus. Then there's another term. The term saint or saints, which, in case you didn't know, is not referring to dead Christians who have gone on before us, who achieve some kind of super spiritual status. It's actually used in the Bible for all Christians. And the word means holy ones. It refers to those who are set apart or consecrated to God. And, and that's used about 58 times. So that's pretty important. I think God is saying, I want you to identify yourself as a saint, as a holy one. Then there's another term, it's the term church. That appears about 115 times. So that's pretty important. I think that term God chose to emphasize that those of us who do follow Jesus are not in it alone. We're in it with others. We're in it with the church And then there's another set of terms, family terms, like brothers and sisters and children and sons and household of God. Those appear about 200 times in the New Testament, which says to us, that's really important. When God, God wants us to think about who we are, He wants us to think in terms of family. We are brothers and sisters, and even more significant and important, we are the children of God. And, and our identity, who we are, what we understand ourselves to be needs to be shaped by that family awareness. But then there's the number one word in the Bible for those who love Jesus. Anyone know what it is? Disciple. Disciple. This appears about 250 times in the New Testament Scriptures to describe Christians, to describe those who truly follow Christ. What is a disciple? That's what we want to talk about for a few minutes this evening. What is a disciple? If you take the simplest definition of the word disciple, it is a learner. It is a student. Way back in the New Testament time, when Jesus walked on the earth... This is what would happen. There would be a rabbi, there would be a teacher, there would be a religious leader uh, who would begin teaching and there would be people who would follow him. There would be people who would hear his teaching, believe his teaching, and they would follow him. They became his little school of students, of disciples, And, and that's the term that God chooses to describe us more than any other term in the Bible. That says to me as a person, that says to me as a pastor, that it's important that we understand what it means to be a disciple, because this is God's preferred priority term for us. So, what is a disciple? I'm going to use the word fish here this evening to help us remember this teaching for longer than it takes you to get to the parking lot. I want to see if maybe you can remember this on Tuesday, and maybe on Friday, and maybe next week. We're going to use the word fish as an acrostic, an acronym. And one of the reasons I fell on this word fish is that it's an early Christian symbol for those who followed Christ. How many of you knew that? That's right. And so Christians, or those who were disciples of Christ, way back in the day, they would actually have a picture of a fish, looking like that up on the wall there. They would have a picture of a fish symbol over the doorway of their home, or in some other places where other believers, other followers of Christ, could see it and recognize they would be welcome there. So when you're driving down the road and you see a car with the fish symbol on the back, you can at least have the hope that that is another follower of Jesus. Pretty cool, actually. Now one of the reasons why they chose the fish as the symbol was because if you take the letters of the Greek word ichthys and use each letter as an acrostic or as an acronym, you can spell out, if you will, the phrase Jesus Christ, Son of God, our Savior. So they took the Greek word for fish, turned it into an acrostic that symbolized Jesus Christ, Son of God, our Savior. So I'm taking the word fish, I'm going to adopt it for our purposes here this evening as a way to to make it clear what we need This is a different kind of sermon than what we're used to here. Uh, I'm going to be going to a couple of different texts. And uh, it's a very simple sermon with some very simple truths. But I hope they will have a profound impact on our lives. So true discipleship is a call by God, by Jesus. It's a call of Jesus on us and to us to... To become His. And in becoming His, there are four things. F-I-S-H. There are four things to which we must be committed. Okay? So the F stands for follow closely. Follow closely. What is a disciple called to do? Well, first of all, help me out here, he is called to F. Follow closely. Follow closely. In the passage that was just read, Luke 9, if anyone would come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross daily to what? Follow me. Or as Jesus puts it in Luke 14, whoever does not bear his own cross and come after me cannot be... My disciple. You cannot be a disciple of Christ unless you are willing to follow Christ. It's very simple, very clear, very plain, very black and white as far as Jesus is concerned. You cannot be His disciple unless you're willing to go after Christ, to follow Christ. Someone who truly loves Jesus is called to leave behind his former life, her former beliefs, and turn toward Christ and let Jesus lead. To follow Christ implies this, that you no longer have control and authority in your own life. That you are now under the authority of another. You now have a master. You have a rabbi. You have a teacher. And you're following him. You no longer have your agenda governing your life. You no longer have your preferences governing your life. A genuine Christian, a genuine disciple, follows Christ. And he follows Christ not at a distance, not half-heartedly, not indifferently. He follows Christ closely. In John 15 and verse 5, Jesus says, I am the vine, you are the branches. Whoever abides in me, and I in him, he it is that bears much fruit. From apart from me, you can do nothing. How many of you say amen to that last phrase? Apart from Christ, I can do nothing. I was had the privilege of preaching in another church this morning, and, and uh, just before I stood up, I just had this sudden powerful awareness when we sang the song All Glory Be to Christ and I realized just in that moment everything about me that is of any good at all that is of any value that is of any worth is owed to Christ if you take Jesus out of my life if you take his word his law his truth out of my life there's nothing left apart from him I can do nothing Jesus says to us, you must follow me and you must follow me so closely that it's the same as abiding in me. That means you, got, you have to live in me and let me live in you. That's, that's following closely. It is is realizing that we're not to be at a distance from Christ. We are to be following his footsteps. We are to be seeing where he is going and we are to follow closely. F stands for what? Follow closely. Second, I stands for imitate carefully. Imitate carefully. F is what? Follow closely. I is what? Imitate carefully. Matthew 11, verses 28 and 29. I believe it will be projected. Matthew 11, 28 and 29. Come to me, all who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me. For I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Jesus says, if you want to follow me, you must come to me and learn from me. He's not not just saying learn from what I teach. He's saying learn from how I live. Learn from me. In John 13. Jesus says, a new commandment I give to you, that you love one another just as I have loved you. You are also to love one another. By this, all people will know that you are my what? My disciples, if you have love for one another. What kind of love for one another? The kind of love that I've given to you, just as I have loved you love each other. How will people know that we are His disciples? It is when we imitate Him carefully. It is when we learn who He is and what He is like and copy Him in our life. A disciple is an imitator. Years later, the Apostle Paul would put it like this, Be imitators of me even as I am of Christ. It's the nature of true faith. We follow him closely. We imitate him carefully. What this means, my friends, what this means is that a true disciple makes it his life's ambition to study who Jesus is and what Jesus is like and to then imitate him. A true disciple is not just an abstract learner. A true disciple is one who follows Jesus around, watches how he treats people, how he acts, how he thinks, how he responds, and then says, I want to be like Jesus. You know what this means at a practical level for us as we enter this new year? I would recommend that we make the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke and John, a focus of our study because that's where we see Jesus most clearly. Years ago I came across this statement, an extended quote, I'm going to read it for you because it's just that good from a man named J.C. Ryle who lived back in the 1800's. He wrote, it would be well if professing Christians in modern days studied the four gospels more than they do. No doubt all scripture is profitable, it is not wise to exalt one part of the Bible at the expense of another. But I think it would be good for some who are very familiar with the epistles if they knew a little bit more about Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Now why do I say this? I say because I want professing Christians to know more about Christ. It is well to be acquainted with all the doctrines and principles of Christianity. It is better to be acquainted with Christ himself. It is well to be familiar with faith and grace and justification and sanctification. They are all matters pertaining to the King. But it is far better to be familiar with Jesus himself. To see the king's own face and to behold his beauty. This is one secret of eminent holiness. He that would be conformed to Christ's image, that is, he who would imitate carefully... He who would be conformed to Christ's image and become a Christ-like man or woman or young person or child must constantly be studying Christ Himself. Now the Gospels were written to make us acquainted with Christ. The Holy Spirit has told us the story of Jesus' life and death, His sayings and His doings. Four times over, four different inspired hands have drawn the picture of the Savior. His ways, his manners, his feelings, his wisdom, his grace, his patience, his love, his power are graciously unfolded to us by four different witnesses. Ought not the patient to be familiar with the physician? Ought not the bride to be familiar with the bridegroom? Ought not the sinner to be familiar with the Savior? Beyond doubt, it ought to be so. The Gospels were written to make men, women, young people, children familiar with Christ. And therefore, I wish men, women, young people, children to study the Gospels. Surely, surely we cannot know this Christ too well. Surely, there is not a word, nor a deed, nor a day, nor a step nor a thought in the record of his life which ought not to be precious to us. We should labor to be familiar with every line that is written about Jesus. Yes, we should. Yes, we should. Can I recommend in the year 2020 that we each make a commitment to read through carefully thoughtfully and prayerfully the four Gospels at least two or three times. And as you're reading, offer this prayer to Jesus. Jesus, show me who you are and then help me to be like you. Simple prayer. Lord Jesus, show me who you are and help me to be like you. We are aware that The need to imitate Christ is one in which we all need to grow. As pastors, we've been aware over the recent time um, that we perceive a a need for the men among us, for our brothers in Christ, to grow deeper, stronger, more Christ-like, in character as brothers in the Lord, as husbands, and as fathers. And so one of the things that we have purposed to do in this new year is to start up a men's discipleship group, not just for the good of the men, but quite frankly, for the good of our sisters in the Lord, because really the best thing we can ever do for our sisters in the Lord is to have godly men. And so we're committing, uh, and we're starting this on a three-month basis, and then we'll see how it goes. Sunday mornings, for any man from teenage years up, Sunday mornings from 7.30 to 9 o'clock, meeting in the church office, anyone who wants to grow in likeness to Christ, every Sunday or every Sunday but the first Sunday of the month. If you want to be a part of that, let us know. We're committed to imitate Christ and to help one another do that. We are to F what? F stands follow closely. I, imitate carefully. S, study comprehensively. That's a big word I know, kids. Um, But that's all right. Vocabulary class here. Study comprehensively. That means study as much, as close to all that Jesus taught us. Comprehensively. Study comprehensively. F is follow closely. I is imitate carefully. S is study comprehensively. Now, why do we say comprehensively? Because Jesus is very clear on this, that our study is to be comprehensive. It is to include everything. <laughs> Matthew 28, 19, and 20. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe, what? All that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. Christ Jesus very explicitly as our rabbi and as our teacher and as our master and our leader, he said to his apostles, which got handed on to us, that we are to teach disciples all that he commanded that they would obey Everything that he said. That's comprehensive. What that means, my friends, is that everything Jesus said about everything needs to be on our curriculum. We, we, we have to care about it. We can't just care about the things we care about. We may, we may like doctrine, or, or we may like the poor, and we may like justice, and we may like mercy, and we may like forgiveness, and we may like this or that, and we like studying those things or those things. Jesus is everything. Everything. This is a call, my friends, this is a call to a life of study. This means if you want to follow Christ, you must be willing to be a student, right down to your bones. You have to be willing to study everything that Christ taught. Now you say, I don't have time for that. My life is so busy with so many other things. Then you're doing the wrong things. Jesus says that you must learn all that I have said. And you must obey it. This is comprehensive. It matters what Jesus said about money. It matters what Jesus said about mercy. It matters what Jesus said about marriage it matters what jesus said about the poor it matters what jesus said about the outcast it it matters what jesus says about happiness it everything matters and we're called to be students of christ and his word we're to be those who give ourselves to study and so and so what does that look like well, it means, my friends, that on a week-in, week-out basis, there are just certain things. If if you're going to be a disciple of Christ, these are things that just need to be a part of your life. You need to be reading the Bible. You need to be reading the words of Christ so that you can learn. You can learn. You need to be in church on Sundays so that you can be taught. We have Tuesday evening equipped courses and other ways of training and teaching people so that they can grow in their faith they can learn all that Christ has commanded. This is what it means to be a disciple. We follow closely. We imitate carefully. We study comprehensively and then finally we harvest consistently. We harvest Consistently, and by the way, I wanted to mention uh, and just skipped over it in my brain and in my notes here that uh, at our last Tuesday evening equip event, uh, there were about thirty of you that showed up for that time. It was a wonderful time of learning together and growing together, being discipled as as followers of of Christ. It's a it's a growing thing that you want to be a part of this, and it's part of studying comprehensively. But then finally we are called to harvest consistently to harvest consistently. Harvest is a metaphor for agriculture. It's what you do when you gather in wheat and grain and fruit and vegetables. It's also a metaphor for aquaculture, for gathering in fish. And we are called, as disciples of Christ, to be harvesting, to be gathering in new disciples. And so we read in Matthew 9, in verse 37, then he said to his disciples, the harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few. Therefore, pray earnestly to the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers into his harvest. We read in Mark 1 Jesus said to them, Follow me, and I will make you become what? Fishers of men. And of course, again in Matthew 28, Go therefore and make disciples. Of all the nations. So we are called to be harvesting consistently, reproducing faith in others, sharing the message of Christ with others that they might come to faith in Him themselves. So we heard from our brother Greg and his testimony of evangelism. And I'm sure some of you heard what Greg shared and you thought in your own mind, well, ah, that's not me. I'm not sure I could ever do that. That's fine. That's fine. We are beginning in our community groups in January a course for it's going to go on for three months called Proclaim that will equip you to evangelize in a way that fits your personality, your gifts, your character. You don't have to do it Greg's way, but we do have to do it some way. We are all called to be harvesting consistently so so what do we have here we have follow closely imitate carefully study comprehensively harvest consistently are there any child is there any child here who could give us all four of those any of the kids i see a hand up back there is that for real How are they doing? Okay, we got one right over here. Can you stand up and tell us the four points, all right? Fish. Can you say it louder, please? Follow closely. All right, all right, well done, well done. How, how about any adult kids here who, 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 who's got this? With a loud voice. If you don't volunteer, I'm just gonna point at you, so. <laughs> I, see, I see a mom pointing at her adult son, a not appreciated mom. <laughs> okay, let's go, stand up please, I wanna hear. This is. This is fish, all right? All right. All right. All right. Very good. Now, having a little fun with this, but this is, this is very serious. Jesus has said to us that if we are not willing to come after him, we cannot be his disciple. Friends, Jesus' call upon our life is a serious one. It's it's not a casual ride. It's not not just showing up in church. It's not just just, um, getting a little religion. It is a call to follow him closely, to imitate him carefully, to study him and his words comprehensively, and to harvest others for him consistently. Now you're saying to me, well, what do I get out of that? You want to know what you get out of that? Jesus. You get Jesus. You get Jesus to be your Savior and your Lord. You get Jesus to be the sacrifice for your sin. You get Jesus who, once He was crucified, to bear away the punishment for your sin, came back to life and is now ascended, not just as some rabbi, but Lord of lords and King of kings. You get Jesus who promises His Holy Spirit to be poured into you so that you have grace and strength to live this kind of life. To follow Him closely and imitate Him carefully and study Him comprehensively and harvest for Him consistently. The Holy Spirit is given by Jesus so that we can live this kind of life. What do you get out of this? You get all that Jesus is out of this. Jesus just wants us to know... That true faith is not just something in the head. It's something in the heart that overflows in the life. It makes our feet start following Jesus, makes our will start surrendering to Jesus, makes our agenda start adapting to Jesus, makes Jesus Lord of all. The question is as we close, and I'm going to ask if. The, those that are going to help us here in singing would please come forward. As we, as we close, I've, I've wrestled with the Lord this week in terms of how to close this message. In one way it's simple, but in another way it's so incredibly important. How you respond to this decides everything for your life and for your eternity. There, there are probably some in this room who have never truly decided to follow Jesus in the way that I just we just learned. And for the first time, you have to decide to follow Jesus. Then there are others who maybe, maybe along the way, you've come to faith in Christ, but it's never really been defined this way. And it's just kind of this vague, Sense of spirituality and spiritual interest, and but it's not focused. You're you're not consciously and deliberately following him closely, and imitating him carefully, and studying him comprehensively, and harvesting for him consistently. And in effect, your life is still your own, with a little Jesus thrown in. Well, Jesus wants to invite you this afternoon to a genuine commitment to Him. Maybe for some it's a recommitment. We're going we're to sing and invite at the same time. Simple song. Many of you will know this. It uh, goes back to childhood for many of us. But I have decided to follow Jesus. Um, and as we sing through three or four or five stanzas of this. If there are any here this afternoon who who want to follow Christ, you said, you know what? Uh, I need Jesus. I need His cross. I need His sacrifice. I need His atonement because my sins are going to keep me out of heaven. And I need Him to wash my sins away. I need Jesus. I need Jesus. And you're thinking... And you're hearing Jesus say to you this afternoon, if you want me, you need to come after me. You need to follow me. If for the first time that's you, then we want to invite you forward. I'm going to ask if if, uh, the pastors, if they're available, could come forward. Maybe a couple of community group leaders as well just to pray with people. If God leads people forward. There's two groups that I want to invite forward. One, those who have never before surrendered to Jesus Christ. Those who have just never done it, never consciously, deliberately given up the throne of your life and said, from now on, it's Jesus. I want to invite you to come forward and we can pray with you. And if, if you're just realizing that in recent time, months, years, you've been wandering from Christ, you're, you're not following Him closely. You're not imitating Him carefully. You're not studying Him comprehensively. You're not harvesting for Him consistently. you drifted, and you know it's time to come back to Christ. Why not today, this last Sunday of 2019? As we sing, uh, we're going to stand together to sing, and if you're somebody who wants to be prayed for, that your commitment to Christ would become secure and real and firm and final today, uh, then come on forward as we sing. If not, just sing together and make it something of a covenant renewal of your own heart that you have decided again today to follow Christ. Let's, let's sing together. to follow Just for a moment, as we were hearing scripture earlier, there was a phrase that jumped out at me that just jumped back into my mind and heart. If any will be ashamed of me, I will be ashamed of them on that day. What sobering words. I know how easy it is to be ashamed of Jesus. I know. How easy it is to be embarrassed to go public with your faith. This is one way to begin the process of going public with your faith. Solidifying it and securing it. Don't be embarrassed. I'm grateful Jesus is not embarrassed with me. That's the real issue that should concern us. But he's not loves us and cherishes us. Let us not be embarrassed. Let us not hesitate. If the Lord by his spirit is pulling at your heart, then please feel free to come forward as we continue to sing.